0: Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Vulcan Bread Podcast. My name is Amina, and thank you guys so much for being here. So as you can tell by the title of this episode, we are going to be talking about mental health yet again, and the reason being is that I always say this every single time, but it's not talked about enough in our communities, and I think people have a hard time understanding what it really means to take care of your mental health and also how different experiences and things that you've been through in your life can directly affect it in ways that maybe you didn't even think were possible so It's kind of like whenever I mentioned going to therapy, and I know that's very taboo in our culture, and people are kind of like, well, if you're going to therapy, you know, you're like a lunatic or you're crazy or something, but of course, that isn't the case, and I think at any point in time, like we mentioned on the last episode we did with Carolina, she thinks anyone should see like a therapist at some point in their life, so kind of taking all of those different components together for this episode and i'm super excited we're actually going to be doing a collaboration with today's guest Um, she's a really talented illustrator and she's based out of massachusetts currently so super excited to welcome my friend Nera to the episode, and she's just going to tell you guys a little bit more about herself.
1: Hello, Amina. Thank you for having me. So I was born in Sarajevo, Bosnia, and I currently live right outside of Boston right now. So I was born in 89, pretty much at the brink of the war starting. So I was there up until I was about two, three years old in 92. I left Sarajevo pretty much at the start of the war when it was getting really bad after the siege in 92. And then from there, I went to Croatia and I was hiding there with my family for a bit um, and then went to Czech Republic for a few more years, went to school there and then finally ended up in boston around ninety-seven, 98. Nice. i'm right now you know i'm a part-time illustrator and i call myself an illustrator with a day gig which is <laughs> i'm an office manager too so it's a uh, it's a nice little mix
0: yeah you have to have that one thing that kind of keeps it fun and interesting and that you enjoy doing
1: so um, definitely or you'll just get bored Yeah, you will get
0: bored. That's the thing too. I always tell people like, you know, you can still have your day job, but you can do something fun on the side, even if you don't necessarily think that it could turn into a business or it doesn't even have to turn into a business as long as it's something that you enjoy, um, I think is the most important. So, I think this is interesting too, because you were really young at the beginning of the war. I'm not sure what kind of experiences you had like in Bosnia before you guys left, how long you were actually there. So um, you kind of talked about when your family left, things like that, but was there anything specific like from your childhood that you remember that you think kind of had a direct correlation like with your mental health in general?
1: So I, you know, I was pretty young to ex- really experience anything around me. Um, you know, the thing about mental health and especially in a child's brain, yeah. our brain is designed to protect us. And when you are young, especially like when I was young and all the other kids in, um, in the Balkans at the time, you experience trauma. Mm-hmm but you're so young that you're not obviously fully realizing it. And then later on, it does come out in other ways. So I was about, you know, two or three years old when I left Bosnia. And I quite, I don't have any full-on memories from that time. Uh, When I was about three, four years old, when we, you know, were in Croatia, Um, that's actually when I started to get some memories from hiding there with a family. And there was a family that was absolutely kind to us and took us in. Um, and we hid there until as long as we could until we were found, unfortunately. But, um, that is when I started to get the sort of trauma and memory that came out and, um, and fortunately for me, I have a lot of great memories in Croatia, and that's another thing about a child's brain. It protects you. It, you know, it pretty much filters out all the bad stuff and puts in the good stuff and makes you remember it. And um, so I'm fortunate for that that I had some great memories there. When you are involved in a war, no matter how young you are, you are going to be affected by it. And for me, you know, I didn't realize growing up because my parents never really talked to me about what exactly happened growing up. Mm -hmm. They were very much, it happened, we don't want to talk about it. And I think a lot of um, our culture does that, again, to protect us, to protect feelings and emotions. And that's the way we survive and we cope. So I, um, growing up, just never fully understood why I am feeling the way I'm feeling. And for me, the um, trauma was a lot, had a lot to do with loud noises. I couldn't do fireworks, crowds, crowds always gave me major anxiety. Um, And again, I growing up thought that was normal (laughs) Um, because I didn't know. And then it wasn't until I got a little older and my mom finally told me a story that when I was in Croatia, I was about four or five years old and we were um, outside in front of our house and we were very close to um, a beach area and there were like hot air balloons and there were these like kites that were flying in the air and it was me with my mom um, my aunt and my cousin and a few other people that we knew and um, my mom looked over and she couldn't find me she mm-hmm. thought that i was standing next to her and it took Hours to try to find me. Obviously, for a mom and for a family, that was probably for her incredibly traumatic experience. Just trying to find a child that ran away. And um, after finally kind of thinking about like where I could have gone, my mom went into our house and went everywhere in the house, maybe see if I ran in there. And she found me in the attic, hiding under a bed. And she asked me like, what happened? What's wrong? And I was crying. And I said, I didn't want the bombs to get me. I associated the air balloons that were in the air with bombs. And again, like that's not a memory I know of, but, and, and when I was four or five years old, you know, I retained that information when I was two, three years old and kept it with me. And it traumatized me. And that pretty much kept, you know, happened when, um, I was in living in Prague after that, uh, new year's Eve with the fireworks, same thing happened. I hid and, um, that I do remember pretty well, but, um, it's, it's interesting what your, what a kid's brain does and how it protects. And, you know, when my mom told me that story, it kind of made sense to me. And, um, Yeah, that was, (laughs) that was probably one of my more traumatic experiences. I'm very lucky and fortunate enough to um, have only had those and yeah.
0: (laughs) No, for sure. Have you seen or have you visited the War Childhood Museum in Sarajevo?
1: I haven't. I visited other galleries and other museums, but I have not seen that one.
0: Yeah, that one I highly recommend going to next time. I think it's, is it on Lokavina Street? It's really awesome. They basically um, collected a bunch of different artifacts that people had donated, people who were children during the war. And so you'll see like different toys or their drawings, just all kinds of things. It was the most interesting thing because I think a lot of times what you see in museums is just like you know okay here's photographs of the genocide or here's this or that so it was really interesting the first time I went like two years ago um and then we went again last summer I took my mom and my brother and I just thought that was so interesting because it's like you kind of forget about like oh wow like literally these kids like their childhood was so drastically affected by it and this is what they remember from it and this is what they had. so yeah Really, really interesting, and I appreciate you sharing that story because I'm sure that there's people listening who, if they were, you know, in the Balkans at the time of the war, had similar things happen. Um, my mom's brother was pretty young when the war like started. Um, uh, I don't know; he wasn't quite a teenager, but like probably preteen. And I think the only thing that he really remembers is just like being hungry all the time, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But definitely there's um a certain level of trauma depending on what exactly happens versus like you know you were thinking like the hot air balloons were you know bombs or something versus someone who actually you know is playing like Like, kids playing outside and then like you know a bomb comes or something like that's a different can be a different level of obviously trauma and stuff like that so Um, really interesting, and interesting how you know your mom was able to tell you that, and it's something that you're kind of connecting all the dots as you get older like, oh, this is why I am the way that I am about certain things, which is really interesting. So, how long did you guys um, stay like in Prague and then you came to the US? Was that the next step? Yes,
1: we so I actually went to school in Prague, um, Czech was like the actual first official language I learned um in school. And I, you know, I loved it there. I mean it was it was tough to fit in. Um, you know, as our diaspora can kind of um relate. It's hard to fit in when you're an immigrant and you're a refugee on top of that. Um, so going into Prague, it's hard, you know, hard to fit in trying to make friends, can't really make friends. Um, my sister at, you know, at the time was like an early teen. So she actually had a great support system there and she had awesome friends. And then when we found out that we had family in US and they sponsored us, we came and, you know, for me again, it was coming into a new country, new language, trying to fit in yet again, still, trying to in terms of not being being able to because you're an immigrant refugee yet again <laughs> and um, you know for my sister it was pretty traumatic because she had to leave a support system there and you know you're already 13 14 years old you know that's already a tough age alone and then adding in take being taken away from your everyday home and trying to yet again find new friends and fit in and learn a new language and um and that 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 by itself is a traumatic experience for an entire family so we um eventually like settled outside of boston and um my parents worked really hard as most diaspora families do and did you know my mom's degree unfortunately wasn't um, wasn't taken here as most um, immigrant degrees aren't and which is really unfortunate. So she, but she still worked, you know, she worked her butt off and so did my dad and, and, you know, we ended up just settling here and a lot of our family came and we lived with them and we had a little support system here. So it was, it was good.
0: Definitely. It's kind of hard because you can never get, completely settled in one place you just kind of are thinking maybe I mean now you guys have obviously lived there for quite a while but Mm -hmm. you're oh where am I gonna go next like is this the last place that's what I would be thinking kind of um like you can never oh yeah you know it's
1: never you know even now at you know I'm 31 right now I still have this like where do I belong feeling Mm-hmm. And, and I think most people who, you know, either grew up there and moved around a lot in different countries in Europe and eventually settled here or going back and wherever, wherever the person ended up, they will still have this feeling of, well, where is home, you know? And it's, it's tough because you can still settle in. You know, I feel settled here. I've, you know, I'm a Bosnian American. I feel safe here. But there's still this kind of weird feeling on the side that's like, who am I?
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Because you don't really feel like you belong or you've been through so many different experiences. You're just kind of like, you know, I think that's a good point. Like not really knowing where home is. It's like you leave your heart in so many places. And then, you know, for
1: what, like which place is actually where you should live. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. And then even for me, going back to Bosnia, which I do on a regular basis, like, I don't feel like I fit in there either.
0: Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, I'm, that's literally something. What did I see oh, it was on Instagram? Like, those funny meme accounts, and um, it was talking about, like, you know, I don't know exactly word for what it said, but it was, like, you know, making sure you act, like, extra Balkan, so, like, the taxi driver doesn't upcharge you, know yeah. <laughs> which, which, uh, to be fair, to be fair, my my cousin went with her American friend, and I guess they were speaking English, or I don't know, I wasn't with them, and so the guy, like, kind of ripped them off, and I was, like, looking at her, I was, like, how did you let that happen, you know, <laughs> like, you're one of us, yes. you know? <laughs> like, <but> who knows, <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was funny, but, Yeah, I think people do look at you differently. And not everyone. Um, I think people who are living in Bosnia or in the Balkans now who have lived in other countries have much greater perspective and outlook. Um, Those people don't, they don't necessarily look down upon you. But it's like those people who haven't gone anywhere really since the war. And so... Mm -hmm they have these certain ideas, or they think just because you went to the U.S., it's almost like they look down upon you a little bit, like, oh, you got out, but I didn't kind of thing, and start to make you feel like guilty, and all that kind of stuff, Um, but it's interesting to talk about, because I think it's a feeling that everyone has, no matter what. Um, I can't say you know, it'd be different if I spent like half of my life down there and half of my life here. You know, maybe I would have a different outlook on it, but I mm-hmm. have it, so I can't I can't automatically say that, you know, I know what it's like to live in Sarajevo or Mostar, because I don't like I mean I go there during the summer, but that's about it. And those are the memories that I have. So I don't know what people struggle with like on a day to day basis. And
1: I think like a lot of people don't talk about that, about this um and I'm open to talk about it because I think you know you, as someone who lived there for a very short period of time, and I'm, you know my Bosnian isn't super great. I try my <laughs> best to uh, to be good at it, but you know I didn't grow up with it, and my parents tried so hard to assimilate to you know the American culture that you know. The, I lost a little bit of my like Bosnian, you know, culture. And, yeah. and I think as I get older, I get a little bit better about it. Mm-hmm. But when I go to visit, um, there's definitely this kind of like you left, you weren't, you didn't stay here. There's this pride mm-hmm. that they have. Um, and maybe I would feel the same way if I stayed there and looked at someone who left. I mean, I can't judge their, there's your views on it because, right. you know, I don't know how they felt. So um, there's definitely this kind of like, you left, you betrayed. (laughs) Um, And then there's also the other side of people who left and they're like, well, we did this because we wanted to, you know, keep Mm -hmm. our family safe. So there is a little bit of that taboo culture there that um, I don't think a lot of people talk about, but um, I think people, more people should talk about it. Um, I think it would help. I think it would help a lot of the stigma behind it yeah definitely,
0: definitely. so growing up right outside of Boston, like you mentioned, were there a lot of people from the Balkans? did you have like uh because I know for some people it's different you know they grew up in a tight-knit community versus other people they grew up in a city where there's maybe like five Bosnian people, so yeah it like for you <laughs>
1: um i I think I was lucky enough to have a couple here and there um, You know, I grew up in a very diverse city town um, where, you know, there were a lot of uh, Cambodians and Brazilians and we had some Bosnians, we had some Croatian Serbians. And um, there wasn't a ton. I'm not going to compare, you know, Boston to like St. Louis, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were a good amount. And, you know, I think it helped me as a kid to have my mom who um, ended up being a teacher who was also teaching other Bosnian kids. And I kind of knew a lot from there. And, you know, she was kind of the go-to Bosnian teacher in that area. Um, so yeah, I was pretty lucky enough to have a few. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was, I didn't feel so alone. And I think the fact that I did have other immigrants around me, um, it helped for sure. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I can say the same here. Like there's so many people from different walks of life, um, a lot of refugees and other people. So it wasn't like you were ever like sticking out like a sore thumb kind of way. Like,
1: you know, that's great.
0: Bosnia. Okay. Oh, he's from Mexico. Oh, he's from, you know, I had like growing up in our neighborhood where we lived. um, My best friends were from Ukraine and I met them. I think in, like, second grade, and I was like, oh, you're from Eastern Europe, too, <laughs> like, and then we became <laughs> friends, and I would always, like, go over to their house, and we were just a part of each other's families, um, and to this day, we still keep in touch. We're just like, oh, and I don't understand their language 100%, but like whenever they're talking, I'm like, did you just tell your mom that? And she's like, <laughs> you can like pick up on it. <laughs> it's really yeah. similar. It's, it's very similar. I'm like, hmm, interesting. But anyway, I think that's awesome. Um, so I guess going into just growing up in the United States and everything like that, um, obviously for a lot of diaspora, there's this transgenerational trauma that's kind of passed on at um, Combined obviously, with like mm-hmm. the PSD and everything like that, so um, I know we have a lot of notes here. We can just kind of go like by each bullet point, yeah because um, I know this is like a difficult thing to talk about, um, but
1: yeah, so I you know growing up in us and trying to again <laughs> assimilate and i I had definitely had a hard time with finding friends um, I you know, had a lot of, as most kids that are growing up here coming from the war, you know, you have this, not only do you have this trauma that you, that you have accumulated over the few years, uh, you are also experiencing transgenerational trauma. And for anyone who doesn't know what transgenerational trauma is, it's basically, you know, let's say, um, Amina, you, you know, you weren't directly involved with, you know, you weren't living there, but your family did and your family is is keeping that trauma and you are feeling it through them
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then they are kind of it's, it's basically like a cycle of not being not being able to get help or not trying to get help and then still having these symptoms and then passing it down to your um, offspring and then that offspring passes it down and um and a great example of this is you know one of the first times transgenerational trauma was ever um, studied and actually seen were, was the Holocaust survivors and then their family after that. And still, I mean, still to this day, you know, I, I married a Jewish man whose family um, was lucky to get away from it, but their family's friends have transgenerational trauma from all these years since the Holocaust. So, you know, it's, it's tough. And unless, unless you get help, that's the only time it will really break the cycle. So growing up, of course, you know, we had that in our family, our parents, you know, there's this, you know, taboo in our culture and that therapy, depression, anxiety, it's useless. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, they're obviously, um, you know, there's exception to every rule but you know, you grow up on that. You grew up on this, this taboo idea of, you know, we don't talk about feelings and we don't talk about what happened in the past. Um, And there's, and there's a lot of emotions there and that's just, people do it to protect themselves. So, you know, you grow up with that mentality. So you kind of just take that mentality and then you pass it down and you it's hard to get rid of it unless you seek help and Mm -hmm. I think that is pretty much the only way to do it so for me I had a lot of trauma growing up um, trauma that I didn't understand at all and then when I was about 14 years old I experienced another traumatic experience um, and I was sexually assaulted by a friend's father. And this friend that I had was, you know, she was my first best friend in U.S. And so I, you know, guarded that friendship so much. And, you know, and unfortunately, I got assaulted, abs- you know, violated, and um, which just... Mm -hmm. turn into another experience for me that added so much more of a layer to my trauma so um you know I grew up from you know from getting assaulted at 14 to basically just trying to live my life best I could in my high school you know years after that um I while my family was super important to me and while I, you know, wanted so badly to talk to someone about it, I couldn't. Um, there were so many, you know, I was young and I felt shame and I didn't want to lose a friend. I didn't want my family to, um, to know about it. You know, it's, it's hard and when you don't have a support system and you don't have someone to talk to about it and you're not, you know, I, I always grew up on don't talk about your feelings kind of thing, you know, that automatically because of that, of that trauma, it just, um, it completely silenced me. As sexual violence and assault does, it does that to men and women, boys and girls, it silences them because your whole, life was just taken away Mm -hmm. and your voice is taken away. So um, I pretty much just kept that in for a very long time in my life. Um, My feelings on trauma obviously got worse. And, you know, I just, I never knew what it was. I didn't know that you can get PTSD Mm -hmm. from Trauma like that. I didn't know you get PTSD from trauma that you experience when you're really, really little. And I couldn't. I didn't know you get PTSD from transgenerational trauma. You know, so I pretty much lived most of my like early adulthood just, you know, feeling so much pain and not knowing what to do with it because I didn't know anything. And, and that's because I didn't have enough resources around me. And so finally, when I was about 25. I uh, saw a therapist and it pretty much changed my life. It validated all my feelings. It validated the fact that I had trauma and then I was diagnosed with PTSD and diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And while that was absolutely difficult to experience and hear, it changed so much for me because I could now understand what my feelings were and how to cope and how to heal moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important and really powerful. Like it's never too late to talk to someone about what happened. And I'm just reading what you wrote here. So you ended up um, telling your friend about it and she denied it. And so that's another thing too, where it's like, you know what happened and then someone's trying to tell you like that it, nothing ever happened. Like I've been in that situation with other things and it's just yeah. frustrating. Like you were literally there and they're trying to tell you, you know, uh, I don't know.
1: But yeah, it's, I I would say that moment was the reason why I hid it for so many years because you have someone just putting you down, telling you that your pain and your trauma didn't exist. Right. And you can't do anything about it. You know, all you want to do is scream and you still feel silenced. And it's, it's why I want to talk more about sexual assault and sexual violence because I think the more people, that talk about their own experiences make it okay for others to come out when they do feel silenced. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I held my trauma in for a very long time and I couldn't even talk about it with friends and family. So I just think that if more women and men hear about it from other people, then they can be like, well, I can, it's okay if I talk about it because there's no shame in it. And I think that's the first step is just knowing that there's no shame in what you went through. There's no shame in talking about it because unfortunately millions of people are affected by this. So um, it's just, it's definitely a big agenda of mine is to just get it out now because I held it in for so long and, and I regret it, but I'm, you know, you can't really blame yourself for it.
0: No. And that's the thing too. Like I think people, fall into this trap of like feeling like guilty or like it's their fault almost that something happened mm-hmm. happen when you know it has absolutely nothing to do with that and you have you should not feel that way but unfortunately like that's what it kind of does to you um I can't speak on it I haven't been through any kind of experience like that. But um, I do think it's important to talk about it and talk to somebody. Um, Like you said, just, you know, going to therapist, um, just confiding in that one person. It can just be like a third party. You know, if you don't feel comfortable telling your friends and family, I don't like, I want to say it's like none of their business, but like you can go to someone else and talk to them. Of course. They don't have to know, you know, that's something that you went through and something that you want to kind of face and deal with. And that's the most important thing. That's the reason why, you know, we go to therapy and we talk about these things. And um, one thing that my therapist always said is that when people go through these other traumatic experiences in life, it like automatically starts to bring up previous traumas that they went through, which is kind of like what you were describing. So when people think of PTSD, a lot of times they automatically just think of war veterans having PTSD, but obviously that's not the case. Um, There are so many other life experiences that can lead to and are correlated with PTSD in general. So, you know, just because you didn't live through a war, that doesn't mean that you can't have PTSD. Like, Mm you could have gone through you know all kinds of other experiences whether it's like losing someone close to you or being assaulted or whatever it might be you can still have it from those things um so i think that's important to mention and you should never be ashamed of what you went through or anything like that i think it's just talking to someone and kind of getting you know this perspective like that's the reason why whenever whenever i see somebody else who loses a parent, um, in particular, like their father, I get so, like, upset. I feel so sad. I, like, immediately, like, I reach out to the person. I'm like, are you good? (laughs) Like, are you okay? Like, I want to talk to them, want to help them because it just... You know, the same thing kind of happened to me. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's when that happens, it's like I feel like I'm going through it again, which is kind of unfortunate. Like it just that's trauma for sure. The same, yeah, Mm -hmm. kind of thoughts and experiences and like, you know, that same day that happened and stuff like that. But at the same time, it can be almost like a beautiful thing because you're able to relate to these other people, like these people who are complete strangers that you don't even know. But you have this one experience, which obviously isn't (laughs) the best experience, but it's something that you went through and that's what kind of holds you together. So I think we all have this as diaspora, just all other things set aside. But there's definitely these other difficult experiences that, you know, we've all gone through. So even aside.
1: Yeah. And you're able to heal from it when you are talking to someone that had an experience that you're sharing with the more you talk about it the more you share it's so healing for all of the people involved you know keeping it in and thinking that it's going to go away it's not it's not that's not the way to go it's just and you're helping and i think that's like you said it's so beautiful to see that it really is
0: so obviously we mentioned therapy as a form of you know dealing with this, but what are some other things that you've maybe tried that you feel like worked or that your friends and family have
1: tried? So for me, um, I would have to say my first way I ever coped even before I was even diagnosed um, has been art. I, my father was an artist, my grandfather was an artist. And when I first came to US, the first thing I did to cope because I was, you know, a big introverted kid, I did everything on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, I would draw, I would watch Sesame Street, (laughs) and I would watch Disney movies, and I would try to learn English. And then I would draw all of like, the kids books that I would see. And, and that was a way to cope. That was a way for me to not only assimilate to the culture, but for me to also just be focused on something. And art therapy is a great way to do that. Um, So I would say that was like my first foremost way to cope before I even realized coping existed. And then um, once I kind of started to realize what my trauma was, and after being diagnosed, obviously therapy was the first thing, but a lot of it was for me was a trial and error. It was a lot of, you know, what do I have to do to make myself feel safe and make myself feel comfortable? And it really is just kind of removing a lot of things in your life that make you feel uncomfortable. And whether it's, you know, removing toxic people, whether it's if you don't want to be in a crowd because that makes you feel anxiety. Don't be in a crowd and feeling okay with it and feeling okay that, you know, you're just taking care of yourself. Uh, For me, you know, I know meditation doesn't work a ton for, you know, a lot of people, but you know, I do say try it because you do need some quiet time in your brain because especially if you have trauma or have PTSD or you have any sort of anxiety you need cry time. Um, so meditation worked wonders for me. Um, you know, I, I would say working your brain and working, you know, working out is another big outlet. Mm -hmm. Yoga was a huge thing for me. Um, running, not a great runner, but (laughs) you know, anything to get your body moving is another great, great outlet. Um, I try to also Every day, especially in the last few years, that has been wonderful for me is just getting up and saying what you're grateful for, getting up and, you know, having affirmations. And I know that because I do want to say to some people, it could be, it could see me seemingly be cheesy at first mm-hmm. because it was for me. <laughs> But I, I, you know, now the more I do it, the more I love it. And it really does work. Just sending, giving yourself some positive affirmations does wonders. Um, and again, it's just trial and error. You know, there are so many things that you could do to heal, whether it's talking about it, about it writing about it, mm-hmm. um, drawing about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Going to a community and talking about it, you know, there's, there's just a lot that you can do. And there's so many resources now that can help with that.
0: Yeah, there are, there's a lot of things that are out there. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm so happy you said yoga, because me and my friend, when did we start? I think I started doing yoga, I think back in like 2015. And when I say doing yoga, it was really just, we had this, we have this outdoor park in Atlanta and they would have free yoga every single Sunday um, during the summer and like up until the fall. So me and her would always go. And that was our thing. Obviously we haven't been in a while because of what's going on now. Um, They stopped the classes, but that was the best. Like, I think doing it in a studio and stuff is great. Or even if I'm at the gym, like I'll pull up a mat and I do yoga. I don't care. But, um, doing it outside and just like seeing the sky and you're just like laying there, oh, it's awesome. was one of the most peaceful like things ever. And we just kept going. Like when we went, we were like, oh my God, I was like, I can barely like do the like downward dog or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And, um, point of the matter like everyone there like like you could have literally laid on your mat and like took it, like take a nap and like nobody would have cared that's also yoga
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) like there is no right or wrong way, and I think that's why we liked it, and that's why we kept going because we didn't feel like there was this pressure, like to be really good at it. It was just to kind of have a moment with yourself. That was the whole point of
1: it, and that's what I
0: tell people when they're like,
1: "Well, I'm not flexible or I can't do." Like that's not the point of yoga. (laughs) Exactly, not the point. I mean, the one thing I love about yoga, um, many things I love about yoga, but that main thing is, you know. When you take a class, you know, they're not going to tell you these are the things that you have to do. You kind of just go with the flow of your body. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just you know, a big part of yoga is it's, an, it's a physical meditation of your body. So, you know, there's the mental, which you're trying to stay still and remove anything in your, in your brain that's, you know, causing you anxiety at the time. And being present and but yoga is to just really feel your body. And the more that you are aware of body parts or feelings in your body, that's calming. Whether or not you think at the time it is, it truly is just, um, it's a very enlightened feeling when you're doing it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So for everyone listening, should go do some yoga. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Even if it's like 10 minutes, just try it. (laughs) I find a YouTube video or an app or something and yeah it's it's nice I like it I always every time after I work out I have to do some kind of like cool down stretch and so I usually do just some things that I remember in yoga and people were asking, because I'm doing this workout challenge with some of my friends, which is also very random, wasn't the, <laughs> <laughs> the so, quarantine workout challenge. Yeah, well, we didn't plan it. My friend Zarina and I, she like posted that she had walk, went walking early. She's like, I'm trying to get back into working out. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I just worked out too and then we were like you know what would be fun if we like challenged each other like for 30 days like to do some kind of like workout or like movement um and so I love that yeah so we started posting it and then we didn't ex- like think anything of it we just thought it was a fun way because we were both like competitive and then people were like wait can i do the challenge can-? so now i've just like been reposting like we'll just tag each other and our like workout. that's awesome So that's been really fun um but yeah every time after i literally i have to do some kind of stretch just to kind of you know chill out so that's great very cool so i think for like these other bullet points we kind of touched on everything um in terms of just your experiences and transgenerational trauma um everything mm-hmm. like that is there anything else that you'd like to add before you know we go through i guess your links and everything um just letting know where people can find you
1: um i do want to you know say that for anyone experiencing any um trauma whether it's from bullying whether it's from war a disaster um, or sexual assault or violence, uh, domestic abuse, emotional abuse. Um, You know, you don't have to talk to your friends and family about it if you don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you mentioned earlier, you know, you don't have to. um, Talk to someone about it. Um, You can DM me. I'll talk to you about it. Um, I'm such a supporter in just talking to anyone about what you're experiencing and sometimes talking to a stranger is actually way easier than mm. talking to someone that you are close with or a loved one um, that's you know that's why I definitely say you know please seek a therapist um, it took me a long time to seek a therapist because I grew up with that stigma of no one needs therapy I think every single person on this planet, should see a therapist doesn't matter if you had trauma it doesn't matter if you know there, you 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 think that you don't have any you know emotional mental health issues um talking to someone ab- about your feelings and having another person give you advice um give you a, a you know this a realization that it's okay to feel what you're feeling is so important and um, and just t- yeah just talk to someone about it, and especially you know for for me, talking about my PTSD for more and talking about sexual assault, um, those two things, especially you know sexual assault that's that was very hard for me to talk about with so many people. Mm-hmm. It's um, you don't want many people to know about it, and I get that, and I just want others to know that it is totally okay to talk to someone about it anyone about it what helps me now is that i'm able to potentially help other people with what they're going through Mm -hmm. when i was younger so not being able to you know seek justice for what happened to me um I kind of make it better by trying to talk to other people about it and trying to talk to other people who have, you know, had that same situation and maybe they're not in the right space and they're not in the right mind space. So I just encourage just talking about it. And again, I'm here to talk about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. I love that. I mean, And I think that's important too. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, you want to talk? Like, you know, even if it's like, it's so weird, it's just like a stranger and you just see that they went through something or you like put the dots together and you end up messaging them. And then you guys just end up talking about it. Um, And I think it's really special. But I think what you're doing is great and it's important. And I think, you know, um, what goes around comes around as they say. So yeah. (laughs) That's just something that, you know, people are going to have to live with. So um, really awesome. And then if anyone wants to get in touch with you, um, DM you to chat. Um, If you want to, I'll have all the links just like in the show notes of the podcast. But where can people find you?
1: I'm I'm on Instagram at Miss Designs, Mm -hmm. And I have a website as well, MissNiraDesigns.com. And my email is on there. So any questions or... You want to talk about art you want to talk about ptsd trauma i'm here <laughs> I, love it.
0: I love it well thank you so much nira for being on episode today thank you for having me absolutely and for anyone that's listening if you are interested in being featured on an upcoming episode definitely send us an email it's hello at balkanbread.com we're always looking for other diaspora to feature so Whether you have a business or just really an interesting story to tell, those are the people that we're looking for on the podcast. So definitely send us an email. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review and let us know how you're liking the podcast. And that is it for this week's episode. Thank you guys again for listening and we'll talk to you next week.